Psalm 119 this morning, we're going to continue in our series going through the longest psalm in, or the longest chapter I should say, in your Bible, Psalm 119, 176 verses, and as we saw last week, the entire psalm is such that uh, it it is David encouraging his own soul, his own heart, his own mind, by reminding himself of what God's word says to him. Uh, I think we made the point last time that it, it, these are words that I don't think necessarily David always put into practice, but it, it was through the writing of the word that he was convincing himself of the truth of the word. And um, that's really what we're going to see here. And each, I, I think each time we're going we're gonna to see sort of a theme kind of jump out to us as we read each stanza. And so King David is, is praising his Lord. He's praising his Lord and the, and the word of the Lord. And, and he's, he's finding this word to be his only recourse and refuge in all of life's troubles. We noted last week just how uh, tumultuous David's life was. He was on the run. He was, his, his kingly reign was filled with wars and skirmishes and battles. And um, it, 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 he's finding the word of God throughout the course of his life to be that place of refuge, that place that he can go to for support and sustenance in all of these trials of life. Notice in this second stanza, starting in verse 9, I'm going to just read it really quick. I'm going to read verses 9 through 16 of Psalm 119. He says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee, O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies, as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts, and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Notice all the different terms for the scriptures that he employs here. He calls them the word in verse 9. He calls them commandments in verse 10. He repeats himself in verse 11, thy word. He says in verse 12, thy statutes. He calls them the judgments of thy mouth. In verse 13 and verse 14, thy testimonies. He calls them thy precepts and thy ways in verse 15. And then in verse 16, statutes and word. He's using all of these different terms, I think, to uh, show just how all the different ways that God's word speaks to us. Uh, I think what uh, what I was struck with is that God's word is just unceasingly relevant. That whenever you go to it, no matter where you are in your life, God's word has something to say to you. It has something to speak to you of God's own person, of God's own character. It will always tell you something that perhaps you've forgotten or perhaps that you have uh, neglected to remember. And I think that's what we most learn through the Psalms. That's what I most learn through the Psalms. Is that they always have something to say to us. That in, in every moment of life... God's word has a suitable word for us, whether it's reflecting on the testimonies of God, reflecting on the promises of God, the statutes of God. In every season, God's word has something to say, something for us to heed and to listen to. 
And such is what David's heart was. His, his heart was that he was, uh, he was praying that his heart would be softened to all of the ways that God's word speaks to us. And all of these myriad of forms that God speaks to us. And he's learning here to delight in what God's word says. He says in verse 16, I will delight myself in thy statutes. He's learning, that the, the thing that has jumped out to me in this stanza is that David was learning to make all of these testimonies of God, these, these statutes, the promises, the judgments of God, God's word itself, he was learning to make that his treasure. If you notice the words here, he says, with my whole heart have I uh, sought thee. And uh, he's hidden this word in his heart. And he's sought this word out. All of these uh, lend itself to this idea of treasuring God's word. Which, is, which treasure literally means to keep carefully. Or to cherish. Or to esteem this word. is to hold it as something valuable. Such is what David is learning to do. He's learning to treasure this word above everything else in his life. That's why he says in verse 14, As much as in all riches, he's learning to treasure and cherish this word. And I think the treasuring of God's word, what we're going to see here, it takes, it, it, it takes form in kind of two different ways. And so in verses 9 through 12, I think this morning we see the treasured word is the articulated word. The treasured word is the articulated word. Notice what he says. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord. Teach me thy statutes. You have to think and connect this stanza, of course, with the previous one. Remember what we learned last time, that King David knows that true blessedness, true happiness and satisfaction follows the undefiled, the pure, those who do no iniquity. That's what he says in verse 1. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. They also do no iniquity. They walk in His ways. Those are the, uh, those are the ones who have uh, seen and felt God's blessedness. And David's overarching message in that first stanza, as we saw last week, is that we are blessed and we are undefiled, not because we have been found clean, right? It's not because of anything that's in ourselves. It's because we have been found uh, to, uh, or we have found that God's spotless lamb has given us his cleanliness. He's given us his undefilement, his happiness. That's what we are promised in the scriptures, the righteous judgments as he says in verse 7, we can praise God for them because in those righteous judgments, we have been righteously judged. Not because of ourselves, but because of the spotless lamb who was judged for us. And such is why he asks, he says, where do we learn of this spotless lamb? Where are we shown just this undefiled one in whom we can trust? That's what he asks in verse 9. Where shall a young man cleanse his way? Where can I learn of this cleanliness? Where can I learn of this blessedness? Where can I be made to be washed in the undefiled blood of the Lamb? That's what he is asking there. And that's where he answers his own question. By taking heed thereto according to thy word. By turning to scripture. 
the way we are made clean, the way we are shown that we are made clean, to have our faith built up in the cleanliness of the Lord is by turning to the Lord's word, by taking heed there to it. This is what the Bible is. The Bible from beginning to end is a self-revelation of God as He self-reveals that He has given Himself to us. It's the self-revelation, you could say, of His self-donation to sinners. That's what He is revealing, that He has given Himself to us that we might be made clean. Such is what we learn from Scripture. Such is what we always are going to find as we open the pages of our Bibles. This promise that the, the spotless Lamb of God has given Himself to us. This is what David was going to. Where in, 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 in all of walks of life, perhaps that he was struggling with his own heart. Who, who, when he knew that it was not clean, he knew his, his own heart. He, 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 he tells and he knows his own heart. He knows that he can't make himself clean. He knows that he can't do anything in order to purify himself. So he, he returns and resorts to the only thing he knows. The word of God. Only by taking heed to God's word. Taking heed is, is where we get that idea of treasuring. That's what he's talking about. Only by treasuring and cherishing and and you could also say guarding God's word which concerns God's person and God's work. That's where we are, where we learn where righteousness is. Where we learn where blessedness is. It's by turning to the word. And this is why David prays. Because again, he he knows his own heart. He knows that he can't cleanse himself. He knows that he can't uh, clean himself up. He He can't change himself in that way. That's why in verse 10 he prays, With my whole heart have I sought thee. He's articulating the fact that he knows the truth of Scripture. He knows that this is his only place for cleanliness. And he's telling that to himself, to his own soul. And he's praying, With my whole heart have I sought thee. Sought is a powerful, it's an evocative word. It really means I have resorted to you or I have frequented your presence. It's really mean he's earnestly pursuing after God. I have sought you with my whole heart. That's indicative of David's whole person. It's not just part of his mind or part of himself as chasing after God or seeking God's presence. He was making God's word a place of comfort for his whole person. And note again that David doesn't even trust in himself in this sort of commitment. He says, with my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. (laughs) I love the way that David prays. Because he prays for something and then he prays for the ability to keep that something. So he prays, I, I'm, going to keep, I'm going to keep pursuing you God. I'm going to frequent your word with my whole heart. Oh, let me not wander. Because I know I'm going to. I'm going to pursue you, but I'm probably going to veer off to the left or to the right sometimes. I'm going to, I'm going to mistake. Uh, I'm going to fall. I'm going to stumble. I'm going to bumble along the way. But God, let me not wander. Keep me close to you, Jesus. This is what he's praying. 
God, this is my vow. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to pursue you with every part of me, he's saying. But keep me from wandering from this vow. He's not even putting his trust in his own ability to keep that which he wants to keep. That's where we, we learned last time. We spoke to this last time of this is the Christian life. It's a life of blessed weakness. He's, he's blessedly weak in himself, but he knows that God will keep him. He's not trusting in his faith. He's trusting in Jesus' faith. The great faithfulness of God. That's what he is banking on. That's why he's saying, let me not wander from this pursuit. Keep me in the middle. Keep me on the straight and narrow. And this is David's, this is the logic of David's prayer. He's praying for grace to maintain his promise to treasure God's word of grace. You notice that? He's praying for the ability to keep, the, keep and treasure God's word. But he doesn't even have the confidence in himself that he's going to keep that promise. Let me not wander, he prays. He's articulating the truth of God as he treasures God's word. He knows that he can't keep this promise. And I think oftentimes I had to reflect for myself, how many times do I have to pray the same thing? Let me not wander. Let me not wander from your commandments. See, what strikes me is that he knows what he should do. Is the commandments of God, things that he was familiar with, and yet he still was wandering from them. It's not as if he just didn't know. It wasn't a sin of ignorance or anything like that. It's, it's we know what we should do and we don't do that thing. Again, Romans 7 comes to mind. But the, I just think of my own heart and my own life. We know what's in scripture. We know what is important and yet we don't do that thing. I'll just share a quick testimony with you that I was struggling this week with trying to get all the things I wanted to get into my preparation and I realized when I came to like nearing the end of the week that I was relying on myself. I was relying on my own ability to get all these things down and to get all these words right and to get all these notes uh, organized correctly. And I came to realize that I was putting myself in the place where the Spirit should be. I was, I was wandering from the Scriptures even I was trying to study the Scriptures. <laughs> How ironic is that? <laughs> and I thought about David is that uh, I know I'm seeking with my whole heart, but let me not wander from what I know is true and right. Let me be humbled by earnestly praying after, uh, praying for your wisdom to come in me. And I, I remember I, I, was spent, I spent much of Friday and Saturday just praying. And that's when it really, a lot of even some of the things I'm going to speak later on this morning really came to coalesce. And it's because I wasn't trusting in my ability to put the words together. I was trusting, uh, it came to trust in Jesus' power to put the words together. Because they're not my words, they're His. And such is what I think David was reminding himself. That even as he was pursuing God, he could wander from God. And even as he was trying to chase after the things of God's word, he could get distracted by what his own heart wants. That's why he says, let me not wander. Keep me in, the, keep me in your will, Jesus. Keep me in your strength. Because I, I go to one side or the other. I vacillate between faith and failure. But keep me. Let me not wander. And the way you, 
you, you keep from wandering is exactly what David prays next. He says in verse 11, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Now he's vowing to commit now to treasuring God's word in his heart. Literally, that's his innermost being. That's the deepest part of himself. You could say that he's treasuring God's word in his very soul. Now this can take multiple forms. A lot of people use this verse as a way to uh, incite scripture memorization. And that's fine. If you don't have all of the words of scripture memorized, that's fine too. Just remember what God's word says. If you can't repeat it word for word, just remember what it says and what, what the, the meaning is. I, I, I have to confess to you, I don't have lots of scripture memorized per se. But I do know what God's word says. It says in Lamentations that he is great in faithfulness. And no matter what, or it says elsewhere in Lamentations that there are mercies that are new every single morning. And that's what I am trusting and that's what I'm relying on. The fact that he is great in faithfulness even when I am faithless. That's that verse that I love in 2 Timothy chapter 2, I think it's 13, that it says that He is faithful even when we are faithless because God cannot lie. He cannot deny Himself. He is faithful every single day. He's faithful always. Such is what David was doing. Such is what he was praying for. He was praying to treasure this word. He was hiding it, he says, in his heart. Which is just a picturesque way of saying that he's keeping it secure for his own soul. He wasn't like hiding it to keep it secret. He was hiding it to secure his heart. And why is he securing it? Because he knows his heart. Again, it goes back to verse 10. Let me not wander. Let me not sin. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not wander from you. That I might not sin against you. This is what he was praying for. This is why he was articulating this word. Again, he's using the word that he's treasuring. He's articulating to himself that he would treasure it all the more. And it's because he was treasuring that he was finding this word to be a, a word of freshness in his mind. It was a word of, of relief and of comfort in all of life's troubles. And the more I think we treasure the words of God, the more resilient we will be against Satan's taunts and temptations. The more we have God's word in our hearts and minds and souls, the more when, day, when, when Satan tempts us, to despair, tempts us to take what's not ours, tempts us to believe in something other than God's goodness, we can repeat back to Him the words of the Lord. You know, we're going to get there in today's sermon from Mark chapter 2, but uh, we won't get to the, 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 the longer narrative of Jesus' temptation, which is in Matthew 4. But if you remember Matthew 4, every single time Satan tempts Him, what does He do? He spouts scripture back to him. And I think that's uh, evocative of what we can do too to Satan. To when those things, when those things come and cloud us in our heads and minds, they, they're trying to get us from doing God's will, we can scream and shout scripture back at him. 
And he will run with his tail between his legs because that's the power of Scripture. It can resist all of Satan's darts. That's where we get that great picture from Ephesians 6 where we put on the whole armor of God. The whole armor is the Word. It's not just the sword of the Spirit. It's the whole Word of God which is our armor. It's our defense in that battle. So the more we treasure these words, the more we will find ourselves being able to spout them back when we are tempted, when we are troubled. One commentator, he says it like this, The value of the word is inestimable, as are means of walking with God in the hurry and busyness and temptation of the day. It's a, it's a treasure to have this word on our lips as we walk through all of our schedules and we walk through all of our meetings and go through all parts of our day. We can have this word on our lips when we are tempted and we, we are on our car, in our car driving. When we are, wherever we are, we can have this word in our minds. That's why David was praying here to keep it. To, he was praying to uh, God that he wouldn't fall away from it. Because it, he knows that it shields us. No matter how many times we fail, this ought to be our endeavor. To hide this word in our heart. That we might not sin, might not wander from God's way. And then we come to the outcome of all this treasuring of God's word in verse 12. He says, Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. So as he has come to pursue the Lord, to treasure this word of God, to uh, make it a, a, a word that's in his soul, in the very depths of his person, he was finding the word to be his source of blessedness. And in fact, we could say that he was finding God blessed even through reading all of this. And such is what we will find. The more we read God's word, the more blessed we will find God to be. There will always be something in this word to show us more of how the, the, the Lord Jesus imparts his blessedness, his happiness to us. This is the byproduct of the scripture. It's, it's the blessedness of God uh, 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 made to be ours. The blessedness of God made to be our blessedness. Such is why he's articulating that to his God. Blessed art thou, O Lord. Teach me your word. Teach me more of yourself. Because the more of you that I learn, the more I find you blessed. That's what that really, that word, that phrase, teach me your statutes. It's really, teach me continually. Never stop showing me more of yourself. That's what he's praying for. And I pray that we have the same heart. That we might never lose our thirst for this word. This word of blessedness. But quickly, I have to move on to the second way this word is treasured. Because not only does it articulate it, but look at verses 13 through 16. Because I think we have, we see here that the treasured word is also the animated word. Look at verse 13. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. The word that we articulate then animates our hearts and lives in the things of the word. Notice all of the, all of the, notice all the phrases of action here. Look at what he says. He says, I declared 
I rejoiced, I meditate, I have respect, I will delight, I will not forget, I remember all these words of action, of animation, are coming out of the fact that he's articulating the truth of God's word to his own heart. And it's taking, it's, it's, it's displaying itself in, in his life. The word that we treasure is the word by which we are transformed. That's what I think we see here. Is that the word that we treasure, the word that we hide in our hearts, the word that we keep close to us is the word that changes us. It's the word that affects the, the transformation of the spirit in our hearts and minds and souls. And this is what was happening in David's life. God's own truth was becoming, you might say, the operative principle by which he was structuring his entire life. It's the thing that he was delighting in, the thing that he was thinking on. It says there in verse number 15 where it says, And have respect unto thy ways really just means he's reflecting again on thinking on the Lord. That means I will think on your word. He's thinking about it. He's meditating on it. It's the thing that he was declaring in verse 13. What I have treasured and learned of you is what I am now declaring. It's the thing that he's reciting. It's the thing that he's repeating. These judgments of thy mouth. This is what he was proclaiming. And such is what the church is for. The church is for this. It's for uh, being uh, uh, shown what the word is, what the word says, and the declaring that word for our own souls. It's to declare what we treasure and have that treasure be what we declare. It's the harmony of faith and truth of doctrine and devotion. And this is what the church is. And this is what David was seeing in his own life. That the more he articulated this word, the more he found it to be animating all of his actions. Worship then is the articulation of the word of God, which informs our souls to praise and honor the God of the word. This is what David was learning. That the more he worshipped this God, the more he was found to praise this God of the word. And he found it by that very same word. It's this word that he was treasuring. <clears throat> and it's the same then truth that he's declaring. The truth that he's proclaiming. That is now propelling his rejoicing. Look at verse 14. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies. As much as in all riches. The thing that he was announcing. The thing that he was proclaiming. Is that which was filling his heart with joy. With rejoicing. And this is what we find for ourselves. That God's word is infinitely more valuable than all of the world's offerings. It doesn't even compare to anything else. This is what David was finding. It's, you may read a thousand books, but spend most of your time in scripture. I think that's a Spurgeon idiom. You can read a ton of books, but find yourself always going back to the word. Because this scripture is where we find our life. And that's what David, I think, was learning. He was learning to rejoice in it because he knew what it was doing in his heart, in his soul. He was learning to be satisfied with these testimonies of his God. As he says, as much as in all riches. And perhaps he wasn't always being satisfied by them. His, he, again, he knew his heart wandered. 
But he was praying that this would be so. He was praying that this reality would take uh, uh, take uh, stake. It's it's it would be um, excuse me would be cemented in his heart. He was praying that this would be the reality from which he would be able to fight, but by the reality by which he would be able to live. That the reality that this word is his source of rejoicing. And I pray that we would find it the same. That this word would be the word that we rejoice in, the word we proclaim. David certainly knew that, that what this word was doing to him. Such as why he vows in verses 15 and 16 to meditate. He says, I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight in myself or delight myself in thy statues. I will not forget thy word. He, he vows to meditate, to delight, and to remember all of these truths of Scripture. He was finding it something in which he could, it would affect every single facet of his light, of his life. And he was vowing to do these things. Notice again that, that word that appears before each of them. I will meditate. I will delight. I will not forget. He's vowing to treasure Scripture. He's committing himself like we learned last time. He's committing himself to commit to the word. He's, uh, he's pledging himself to treasure this word that he knows is his only source of power, his only source of truth, his only source of strength. The only thing that will sustain him throughout his life. He's praying not to forget it. I will do this, Lord. But don't forsake me. This is where we find our consistency. Our consistency as Christians is intricately tied to our commitment to treasure God's word. It's not found in our competency. It's not found in our abilities. It's not found in our spirituality. It's found in our respect unto the word. Respect meaning our thinking of it. Our our meditating on it. A respect for Christ will always find more of Christ in which to delight. That's what I think we can gather out of he was, he was meditating on these precepts. He was having respect unto the, his ways. And he was finding that I will delight myself in these things. And I will and I will continually. Because the more we meditate on the scripture, the more again we will find from scripture things of delighting, things of rejoicing. Spending time in God's word will furnish untold treasure to which to cling. You can't fathom the depths of the riches of God's word. Again, like we said at the beginning, it always has something to say to us. It always has something for which that we can delight in. The meditation of scripture will always bring more things to the forefront of our minds. Things that we can rejoice. Things that we can declare. And then that declaration leads into devotion. That articulation leads into animation. There is always something for which we can delight because of Christ. This is what grounds us. Scripture was grounding David here. It was keeping him uh, secure. It was keeping him uh, close to the ground. Humble you might say. And that's what scripture does. The word of God keeps us low. By reminding us of our sin and desperation. But it lifts us up. As it reminds you of Jesus' grace and deliverance. 
This is what the scripture was doing to David. He was being reminded of the promises of God throughout all of scriptures, which was then lifting him up to serve and to love and to honor and to praise God. It wasn't something that he was coming up with. It was something that he was being assured of. That's really, you might say, this is the tenor of Scripture. The tenor and the, 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 the voice of Scripture is that which abases us and then also assures us. It keeps us low and keeps us humble so we don't rely on ourselves, And then it assures us of God's strength and grace for us. That's what we learn in Scripture. This is the Scripture we treasure. And this is the life of a Christian. It's built upon this foundation. Of the foundation that David here gives us. To speak that word into our own souls. To treasure it. To hide it. And that very word that we treasure and hide. Will then manifest itself in ways as we serve to honor God with our lives. It's a, a word that is articulated. That is then animated in our walk of life. And it's this entire remembrance, this entire uh, treasuring is built upon this gospel of Christ. This gospel which tells David, which tells us where blessedness is found. Where peace with the holy, the holy heavenly father is found. It's found in Christ. This is what David was treasuring and such ought to be our treasure as well. Let us pray.